welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Tuesday Not So Deep Dive episode on Chit Chat Money. Let me explain, because we always forget to do this, what this show is. So we're just going to go through the basics of a company in about 30 to 45 minutes. Typically, it'll take about 45 minutes, but we're going to cover the basics of the history, what they do, basic financials, earnings, different business lines, future growth opportunities. And this is really the first time we're looking at a company. So we're looking at the basic SEC filings. We're looking at their earnings presentations and their conference calls and trying to get an overview for anyone to get inspired, maybe, uh, to learn about it more. Um, I hope that explains it correctly. We have Brad on the show, as always, every other week. Brad, have you heard of Matech Systems, the company we're talking about today? No, not at all. First first experience with it. Yeah, we're kind of in the small cap realm here. I think the market cap's around 100, or not 175, $750 million. So a lot smaller than what people you know, are used to. This isn't the Shopify's or the really popular stocks of the world. So hopefully this can put another company on someone's radar if they're interested. And I'm going to let Ryan introduce the company. But first, we need to talk about our sponsor for the Not So Deep Dives, Potential Multibaggers. The aim of the Potential Multibaggers service is to find stocks that can go up 10x over the next 10 years or compound at 26% per year. And so far, their track record has been very stellar. So they've picked Cloudflare at $39 a share, Upstart at $128 a share, although that one's very recent. They picked Square at $75 a share, Roku at $113 a share. Very strong track record from the potential multi-beggars picks. Ryan, you have also, something to add? Also, if you're interested in learning about, I guess, the way Chris looks at businesses, uh, shameless plug for ourselves, he recently came on and talked about Upstart with us, um, and it gives you a glimpse into his sort of process. And yes, he's, he's been on the show multiple times. Uh, if you want a promo kind of of what he does behind the paywall. Uh, you can go listen to those, see if you're interested. But Potential Multibeggers does deep research about the companies behind the tickers they own. For every pick, you get five articles together, about 20,000 words, but spread over several weeks so you can keep up, help researching together, really bridging the gap for someone that may not be an expert in finance, may want some help if they want some picks. Um, for stuff that's you know not an index fund and they, they just want some help along the way. So if you want to become a multi, you should go to Seeking Alpha and look for From Growth to Value, Google it, or go to at From Value with no capitalizations on Twitter. All right, Ryan, do you want to introduce Matech Systems and talk about the special promo we're doing for 7investing? Yeah, we've mentioned this before if you're a recurring listener, but we have sort of a holiday promo code with 7investing where you can use Chit Chat and you get $50 off the annual. If you aren't familiar with 7investing, they give seven recs a month. Um, and it's it's great research. It's a great way for us to kind of find new ideas. Uh, at least that's the way we use it. Um, so go ahead, check them out. Use code ChitChat, get $50 off. Without further ado, let's get to Matech. And is it my tech or Matech? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I am entirely unsure. It's It could be my tech. We're going to go with Matech. 
I think. Yeah. M-I-T-E-K. Tigger is M-I-T-K for anyone that doesn't know, since it's kind of a hard spelling on here. Yeah. But uh, Matek Systems is the leading or a leading provider of mobile capture technology and digital identity verification solutions. And I know that's kind of a lot of tech lingo, so I'll kind of dive into what it is, but they serve more than 7,500 financial services organizations. uh, And it's pretty much just two business lines. So I'll go through each of them. But it might be more than that 7,500 uh, institutions figure. It's just they haven't reported their t- second 10K, which is when they usually up the uh, figure on it. So once they get that out, it might be a little bit more. Uh, but this, the first part of their business is mobile deposit. And so this accounts for 67% of their sales, and it's the older part of their two businesses. So today, when a customer wants to deposit a check with basically any financial institution, I believe, you can open a banking app, scan the front and back of the check and have it instantly deposited. In most cases, that's Matek's mobile deposit technology at work. And so they have sort of, uh, they say it's AI or machine learning, but they can capture it. They can scan that check and they can instantly deposit the, the specified amount. Um, and 90 of the top 100 banks, US banks use them. And I think it's somewhere like 98% market share within mobile deposit. So uh, it, this really is their, I guess, entire industry. Um, and in exchange for the service, Matek collects a fee on each check deposited. It used to be around 50 cents a check, but has since increased to around 85 cents per check. And the bank will usually front this cost. So they don't pass it along to the customer. And if you're wondering like, why don't they just pass it along? It's this is such a cheap solution compared to opening a branch and having to have like an operating branch in order to collect checks or uh, to have an ATM, like to install one or to use a third party ATM and have their fees. This is the cheapest solution by far. And it also helps with security and ID verification, making sure it's the person that's actually doing it. If you don't have that as much, the back end on figuring out, you know, I don't know, you can lose a lot of money if someone's doing fraudulent activity and this can help with that. And then I guess the second part of the business is the mobile verify, which I think Brett partially just alluded to. And this accounts for 33% of revenue, but it's much younger and it should be a bigger part of the business moving forward. And so mobile verify helps banks uh, make sure that people are who they say they are. And so if someone is applying for a loan or opening a bank account or anything that could be, uh, I guess, costly or sensitive material, something that someone might uh, pretend to be someone else for, let's say, um, Matek's verification algorithm can scan their ID and authenticate that it's really them. And, and they built this part of the business largely through acquisitions. And so I think the the process, I guess, is that they have this installed customer base with a lot of banks, and then they can kind of cross-sell this, this verification feature to them. Um, and it's a gr- this industry that the verification side is growing pretty quickly because uh, fraud, I guess, is getting deep fakes are getting more advanced. And so they're, they're trying to find the technology to combat it and they're willing yeah, to pay it, up for it. Well, it's not just deep fakes, I guess, mainly in general, people trying to fake identities online and with people, yeah, with stuff moving more and more online commerce, everything, interactions, stuff like that. If everything's going through online, if, if you're doing um, all your financial tra- transactions through the digital world, then it's a lot easier for people, at least right now, to, con- to, I don't know, have a lot of fraudulent activity. So it's growing quickly. 
And it's very costly for them too. Uh, banks have huge expenses if people are able to pretend to be someone else. Uh, but I'll get into the history a bit. So Matech Systems was first founded in 1986 and the company's headquartered in San Diego, California. For the life of me, I was digging maybe for like an hour to try to find history and I couldn't find anything. I have no idea who the founder was. Um, I saw that they started as sort of like a tech software company and they kind of pivoted, I guess, since. Um, but they've been public pretty much their entire life. So they, they after being founded in 1986, I think they went public in 87. Um, and they, interesting note, they lost more than 94% of their value in the dot-com crash. Still alive today. So if you bought the dip, congrats. Um, but other than that, from what I could find, the, uh, the only other notable historical items for the company were basically lawsuits and acquisitions. So they settled a, a dispute with USAA in 2014, but that feud doesn't seem to have ended yet. Um, in 2018, USAA sued Wells Fargo and then PNC Bank uh, for patent infringement of their mobile deposit capture technology, which was supplied to them by Matek. So if you're thinking like, how does that pertain to, how does a lawsuit between USAA and Wells Fargo pertain to Matek? Wells Fargo could seek to be reimbursed by Matek. And so there is sort of that legal, uh, I guess, downside um, if the suits go through, but it's it's been a decade almost of kind of legal fights with USAA. Um, yeah, they're pesky. They seem like kind of one of a, a little bit of a patent troll type deal, you know? Yeah, it's, I guess that's possible. Um, so, and that is it's important to the investment actually. So it's not like this is some tiny lawsuit. So I think keeping up with that is if you're an investor, it is important. Yeah, definitely. And just for reference, if you look at their, they basically restarted the business in like 2010 when they came out with this mobile check ID stuff. So it's almost like it was a new team around then. Um, If you look at their revenue per share numbers and stuff like that, it was totally collapsing before 2010. And then they kind of restarted this new business model. And now they're almost a whole new business. So it's almost like the business is only 10 years old, but it's kind of in the shell of what this company used to be from the 80s. But I'll go over the industry and competition quick. Very simple. They have mobile check deposit industry and then the digital identity solutions. Mobile check deposits is very easy because as Ryan mentioned, they're basically a monopoly with this market. So just look at their revenue. That's kind of what the market size is. Um, A lot of people have argued that this is going to be disappearing. However, they're actually growing that revenue, at least when we were looking at for the the recent quarters. Um, But there is that worry that that is kind of a declining industry. And you can kind of see the path maybe over the next 10 to 15 years of that business going away almost entirely. It's like the the decline in checks the decline of checks in circulation is being offset for Matech by the amount of checks that are being deposited through digital solutions instead of like physical. Yeah. So at some point you could probably say that checks will go out of the way, but it hasn't happened yet. So that market's still uh, going around for them. But the identity verification market is probably the one that people are most interested in from a TAM perspective. And that is estimated to be Biometech themselves, I'm sure they use third-party solutions, but this is their own TAM estimate of about $7.6 billion that is projected to grow to $15.8 billion by 2025. And then management claims with their ID R&D acquisition that their TAM is going to expand to $23.5 billion. Again, those are kind of just numbers they're throwing out there, but you can kind of tell it's a very, you know, it's not a large like super large industry, but it's a big industry and the needs are growing quickly uh, from all the customers out there. And then their competitors, they have plenty of them. There's Jumio, 
there's IntelliCheck, there's ID now, and then there's a ton of smaller competitors. Jumio and IntelliCheck are two of the bigger ones, but Matex Systems, I believe, is the largest one in this industry, at least right now. And there's lots of other small startups that Matex Systems likes to acquire, like ID R&D, which we'll talk about later. And management does talk about this as being part of their strategy explicitly, like on every conference call, they say that their acquisitions are something they're trying to do to fortify their um, just intelligent, or not intelligent, um, identification solution products. All right, management and ownership. Brad, do you want to hit that up that for us? Yep, for sure. So Max Kamekia, uh, he is the current CEO and president since November 2018. He's got a 76% Glassdoor rating, uh, not a whole lot of reviews. So take with it what you will, or take from that what you will. He was a former CEO of Illuminate Tech, uh, Education, which is basically SaaS meets education. And then he was the CEO for a couple other uh, companies that that he uh, fostered a, a, a few years of profitable revenue growth with and margin expansion with. Um, the companies are Interwoven and Accelerus. Uh, but other than that, not a ton of notable experience, but what the, the experience he does have, he, he was successful with, with a few very lucrative exits and, and that profitable growth I talked about. Uh, the CFO, or what the CFO for about five seconds was, and, and I thought this was interesting to mention was Susan Repo. Um, so she was the she looks like she it looks like she was the, C, the CFO from June to July of 2021. Um, there was a news release and then nothing. Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say it to have a CFO with the last name Repo is a very good investment omen because uh, hopefully they'll buy back stock. Yeah, but repo, repo operation, you know, that's, uh, you know, organized crime. I don't know. It could be a double-edged sword. But re- isn't repo short for repurchase? Yeah, but okay. yes. Yeah, I think it's, it's also <laughs> short for repo operation. Which, All right. Well, anyway, yeah. continue, Brad. Sorry. Yeah, but so she was there for 30 days and then now uh, she's not she's not the CFO anymore, but she is a board member. Um, so she's still around. She was uh, the former CFO of Tesla Finance and the VP of Finance and Corporate Treasurer at Tesla. So I know a bunch of a bunch of people just just perked up a little bit hearing uh, hearing the name Tesla. Uh, oh, either God. loving it or hating it. Uh, either, it depends yeah, on who you are. Yeah, polarizing for sure. But but the uh, the, the current CFO is Frank Terule. Um, I, I'm guessing on some of these pronunciations, so I, I'm sorry if I'm incorrect. But he was the former COO of a company called Adara, and then um, a, a few more companies. He was the CFO of uh, that that he um, fostered a lot of a lot of lucrative hypergrowth, just like Max Carnecchia. Um, but then the CTO is Steven Ritter uh, right now. He's been there since March, 2016. He's the longest tenured um, executive or important executive that I found. Um, he was the, he came as a senior director of engineering at McAfee. Um, and, and he's been uh, like, like these other people, the executive at a lot of other firms that are private and tiny that I've never heard of. Um, but in terms of ownership, it looks like uh, there's, there's been quite a few uh, leadership teams for, for this company over their, over their long history. So kind of unsurprisingly, it looks like directors and executives on their own um, only have about 3.4% of the common stock overall. They do have some handsome options packages like Max, uh, his share count can go from 120,000 shares to 170,000 um, with the options packages that he already has in place and he'll get more if, if he succeeds. Um, and then it looks like, uh, which kind of stands in contrast to insider ownership, about 70% of the company is held by institutions without a lot of accumulation or selling activity. Um, so just, just, I mean, it's pretty typical for a company that's about 40 years old and has had a lot of different leadership teams, uh, for, for institutions to accumulate ownership over a long period of time and for current owners or current executives not to have a large stake. So nothing super concerning there. 
Right. That's a good overview of the management and ownership. I'll hit valuation quick. Pretty simple. Market cap is $784 million. So it is a small cap. Ticker is MITK. However, enterprise value is definitely relevant here. They do have a lot of uh, net cash on the balance sheet. Uh, my calculation was that enterprise value is about $678 million. I was just using some basic stuff. Um, you could maybe come up with your own number. It's probably around there, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower depending. Um, but I'm going to use enterprise value because they are cash flow positive and the cash they have, it doesn't sound like, especially because they're able to be cash flow positive while, re- while investing for the identity solutions uh, segment. Uh, that cash is definitely available for shareholders whenever they want to. Uh, but EV to sales is about 5.7. EV to gross profit is about 6.4. So as you can tell there, Gross margins are extremely high, which Ryan will get into next. And then EV to operating cash flow is approximately 18. So pretty standard uh, multiple there. Lots of potential dilution though from the convertible notes they have in the balance sheet. Um, fairly easy to understand those. If you look at the SEC filings, you can get the details on those. I'm sure Brad will talk about that a bit too. And they actually haven't granted any options for this year as of June 30th. And they have granted 808,000 in restricted stock units. And if we look at their shares outstanding, they have about 44 million. So decent dilution, that's probably coming. Um, and they've had some dilution in the past. So I think I would expect that to be a slight headwind. But Ryan, do you want to hit earnings? Yeah. And they just, as I mentioned, they just reported their full year earnings, but they haven't filed their 10K yet. Um, maybe it comes out by before this, I, I guess, uh, gets published, but just keep an eye on it because there's there wasn't a cash flow statement on their earnings release, but it will be on the 10K, obviously. Uh, and so full year revenue was $120 million and that's up 18% year over year. And it's they break it into uh, software and hardware revenue and then services revenue. But if you go into the 10K and you like key in how much comes from mobile deposit and how much comes in, uh, from verified, they do give those numbers. So I, that is something that's important. They to hide it though. <laughs> they do hide it, uh, but uh, it's important to look for. And then they have 88% gross margins in aggregate, but the software and hardware revenue has 96% gross margins. And then the services side isn't uh, isn't terrible. Uh, it's just not quite as high as that software and hardware revenue that they have. And if you think about it, just uh, kind of, if you just think about the business where they're basically signing on with a bank, providing that uh, capture technology, basically it's being used by customers with their phone. There isn't a lot of input costs to that. Um, basically, they've got to sell to the banks and that's about it. So naturally, it's pretty high gross margin. Um, and then they have they had about $37.4 million in operating cash flow for the year. That's a 55% versus a year ago. That's about 31% operating cash flow margins. Um, and then judging by last year, there's typically minimal capex. So free cash flow should be close to operating cash flow. Um, they do spend about 10% of their revenue on stock-based compensation. And they raised a $135 million convertible note at a little under $21 a share, uh, which is due in 2026 for reference. Uh, find Matex stock price right now. Uh, uh, it's $17.50. Okay. So I guess th- there's probably a good chance that, that converts. Um, and so there will likely be some dilution down the road. Uh, other things as far as earnings go, net income is minimal. I think they are probably writing off some of the acquisition costs, which I guess just helps with 
minimizing taxes. Uh, yeah, I guess it's hard to tell. Um, you probably have to dig. I, I, I didn't confirm any of that, but it's definitely, a, they have a, quite a few non-cash charges. There's also a buyback that they announced. So it's, they did a tiny, tiny amount. <laughs> they did like $190,000 worth. Like, so they it's authorized for 15 million, but they 15, only, yeah. but they, they've only nibbled thus far. So I don't know. I'm sure we'll talk about that later, maybe in highlights and lowlights, but Brad, uh, do you want to talk balance sheet and liquidity? Yeah. Uh, so cash and then also really liquid investments where, where they keep most of their, their liquidity is, is 227 million. Uh, as we talked about a little bit, cash flow from operations is 25.6 million over the first nine months of the year. Uh, 8.5 million of that is stock-based compensation. So notable uh, needs to be mentioned, but not, not egregious or, or anything like that. Um, not, not Snapchat or, 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 or uh, to, to that degree, um, but 120 million, as we kind of talked about, um, outstanding and convertible senior notes. So that's uh, based on the market cap, 15% possible maximum dilution. Um, and that looks to be their only debt aside from a $10 million credit facility. So they did this 120 million, they actually issued 155 million. Um, and then they paid off some more expensive debt. So it looked like a savvy move to me. Um, and then the conversion does actually have an interest rate of 0.75%. Um, sometimes we see zero interest rates like, like we've seen in, in some other uh, growthy stock uh, convertible rights deals, but they, and they do have some pretty handsome conversion rights as Ryan talked about. Um, but, but yeah, not, not, nothing crazy on, on, on 0.75%, but, but not zero. Like I was sort of expecting it to be, but, but again, nothing crazy. Yeah. It's interesting. They would choose to do convertible since they're already fairly profitable, but maybe they wanted the balance sheet for the acquisition strategy they're doing. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, all right, let's hit the ad break. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Here you are, miles from home and ready to start your vacation. Good thing you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. They have free high-speed Wi-Fi to stream all your favorite movies. And in the morning, get fresh waffles with their free bright side breakfast. Or squeeze in a workout at their fitness center. Either way, you're ready to conquer the day. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you triumph. Book your stay at LQ.com. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Next up, we have anecdotal evidence. This one is tough because the anecdotally, like you're not actually interacting with my tech systems or my tech systems, whatever it's called. You, just, you, you are, just but you don't know a lot of the times, like you're not, the, the brand isn't them. Uh, but let's kick things off with Brad. Uh, what are your thoughts anecdotally on this business? Do you have any? Uh, I guess I've used my Bank of America account to, to deposit checks. And that, that's been pretty cool and convenient, not having to go um, to, to an actual place to do it and just being able to do it from home. But that that's that's the extent of my anecdotal evidence. I don't even know if Matech and Bank of America are are in or in, contractually partners, but it seems like it based on the 90% market share for the check deposit thing. Most likely, yeah. I think yeah. I think they probably are. Um, well, how about this for a question? Do you what type of pricing power do you guys think they have? Um, I guess we'll start with Brad and go to Ryan for the mobile check deposit. Yeah. Uh, so 
kind of like, like we've alluded to a little bit, um, it, it seems like Venmo and Cash App and, and really laser fast money wiring and, and, and things like that are, are maybe a little bit more convenient than having a, a physical checkbook and, and, and having to convert that physical experience to a digital experience via, via the picture. But um, it, it seems like that can all kind of happen on a smartphone to me. Um, and I think we're getting close to that point. So in terms of pricing power in that environment, um, I think it goes away, um, to be honest, and it kind of becomes uh, how do we make our experience more affordable than, than this other experience versus more convenient than the current experience. Um, but that, yeah, that's kind of how I see it. That's an interesting point. You would think they're kind of locked in, but with the industry dynamics of a lot of people kind of leaving the Czech world, sort of like us, I'm sure none of us have really deposited checks yeah, at any sort of frequency. You might argue that they don't have that pricing power just because they, at some point, say Bank of America says, no, you know what, we're just going to put everyone and say, let's switch you to Zelle kind of deal. Like we're going to try to toss you on there. But some people, I don't think may, they, they, some people are probably res- hesitant to switch from checks. It's kind of a, there's some friction there. I don't think Definitely. any bank, I don't think any bank is going to eliminate the ability to accept mobile checks. No, but they might, that's yeah. stupid, but they but that, might, they might try to get people off of them. If Matek raises prices too much or just lean on them far less heavily. Yeah. Um, so w- which eliminates the pricing power for Matek. I mean, they've raised it by like, they've raised prices by like 11% annually since 2015 and banks haven't seemed to bat an eye. I don't, I doubt they're going to be able to keep that up, but I mean, they, I, if they're if they're using this as kind of a cash cow, and this is eventually going to go away, I mean, why not juice it as much as you can? I don't think that's a terrible strategy. If they're and, saying it's going to go away in like a decade, and the banks have such. I mean, the banks' alternatives are so costly, so it's like, yeah. I don't know. You don't want to you don't want to ruin your relationships with the banks if you're trying to cross sell ver- uh, the verification solution. But um, I think there's probably some room to gradually increase prices. Um, I guess as far as anecdotal ev- evidence goes for me, I've used my bank. I'm pretty sure uses the technology that Matek supplies. Um, and I don't think I'll ever go to a branch to cash a check. Or if you um, do, you just, I mean, I have like once in the last few years and you just get, you're like, ah, why am I here? <laughs> yeah. And I'd also say like, it's, I prefer instant deposit and just bypassing the check process to begin with. So that yeah. may be indicative of, uh, the mobile captures future anyways, but yeah, I'll, for my anecdote, I'll go to the identity verification, which is their big growth opportunity that they talk about, which I mean, it is, they don't have to just talk about it. It is, but I think the double digit growth projections of that industry check out, um, you're going to need it more just to get it in the financial institutions and the government institutions and whatever that seems pretty easy, but I believe there's a lot of optionality too in other ways that this ID verification stuff could be very useful Two that come to mind for me are, and it might be a little bit different because you can't just do the, the clunky stuff with this, but online dating, there's definitely a need for that you where no, I, I, no, I have not, but you know, that <laughs> people always talk about it. This isn't personal, but the, you know, how the always, uh, people, uh, I don't know. That's kind of the big knock, you know, people for what, when you're, people don't tend to care, they still go on the apps, but a lot of times people talk about the worry that they're getting catfish and well, stuff like that. So, I and then also Airbnb, I think is a very easy one where people want to just confirm that this is a real person. I'm interacting with who they say they are. That one, I mean, that 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 that's a pretty easy fix too. Yeah, I think 
based off what I'm hearing, that uh, Tinder already has some sort of verification thing. Yeah, they released some that I'm not sure who they're partnering with, but yeah, I can I can personally say that yeah, yes, yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's, they let's announced that recently, actually, or they rolled that out recently. Yeah, but. let's go to future growth opportunities. Uh, Brad, you want to go first? Yeah. So so Tinder really? No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but but moving. <laughs> But but I actually I actually I, I see what you're saying. It just uh, it didn't occur to me until you said that. So that was a cool idea. But in terms of future growth opportunities, so I'm I'm taking the really easy and obvious one. So they operate in in the digital banking niche with, with these identity functions and the mobile check stuff and and all that. Um, and digital banking, uh, to absolutely nobody's surprise, is a rapidly growing sector, poised to yield um, based on where you look, uh, 15 to 20 percent CAGR through 2030. So it's a really good space to be in. Um, especially the identity part. Uh, we, we've talked about how the mobile checking might not be super durable. It is it is very lucrative right now, but it might not be in, in the very, very distant future. Not I'm not talking about next couple of years, but but in it, by the end of that planning period, I just talked about by like 2030 or something like that. Um, but yeah, did, FinTech is a, is, a, is a it's a great space to be in. And and they are they, they are a, a definitely a, a monopolistic, uh, they, they've taken sort of a monopolistic niche within this uh, mobile banking um, world. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Yeah, I, I like that one. And it kind of digital banking, I think is just a good tailwind for them generally, um, especially within verification. Uh, for me, it's, I mean, the future for the business is pretty clear. So that I guess like there isn't that much of a future with like the mobile deposit business. I, think well, I mean, it sounds like it's very profitable. So hopefully it'll be a cash cow that they can maybe reinvest, but yeah. Right. I just don't, I don't see like decades worth of growth there. So that, I mean, verifications, I guess the future. And when you talk about uh, identity authentication, at least from what I know of the business is that IntelliCheck has the most accurate solution because of their, relationship with the DMV. Yeah. Whatever that organization is called. It's like some uh, uh, North the, American the licensing yeah. Yeah, the organization. Yeah. And so I should, I guess, caveat this by saying that I, we are IntelliCheck shareholders. So this is going to be sort of a, uh, a biased take, but I think, I think they could acquire IntelliCheck and bolster their like authentication accuracy. Because if I've if the stats are correct, IntelliCheck has like a 99% accuracy on fraud detection and the text is around 80%. Well, they, IntelliCheck does have 99%. It is unclear exactly what Metex is because they don't really, it's a bit of a black box. Um, but you would, if it was that high, they'd probably brag about it. So it's it's definitely not as high as IntelliCheck's. Yeah, I guess the, it, it seems weird to me that the acquisition hasn't happened because Metex has shown uh, a willingness to acquire companies and IntelliCheck trades for like half of Matek's cash balance. And Matek said, I remember in the recent conference call, let me pull up the exact notes here. Uh, I got to get the note sheet. Sorry, continue. Go ahead. Go it on. just seems like a pretty logical acquisition and this would tie them up. I mean, this would, I think they have 20 to 25% market share within verification. Um, Matek does. So if they just gobbled up IntelliCheck, I think that's one way to just pretty much win the market. And it's a market that is compounding at 15%. Yeah. Around 15%, the revenue across uh, digital verification anyway. So yeah, here is, it seems like a logical uh, acquisition. Yeah. It sounds like they would be better together. 
than not. Um, here's a direct quote from the conference call. In fiscal 2022, we expect to invest further in strategic acquisitions to accelerate our innovation in the fight against fraud. It sounds like they've reached out and they said that they've reached out to other people that they haven't like made a connection with yet or made a deal with yet. So it sounds like they reach out to all these companies. So, you know, they probably talked to IntelliCheck um, and plenty of others like IDRD, which is actually my future growth opportunity. They acquired a company called IDRD in June, I Terrible believe was name. the name. Terrible name. Yeah, tough to say. Uh, they are there. This is a basically a bolt-on acquisition for the ID verification market. And it's really supposed to help with their capabilities. It was a $49 million acquisition. So pretty sizable compared to Matech Systems market cap. But to explain what ID R&D is, it's hard, like, it's hard to get the niches of all these like identification stuff. It's hard to understand, but the company is an expert in facial and voice biometric capabilities, which help against deep fakes and synthetic voice stuff. So I guess that's a pretty rising... Uh, there's a lot of fraud that, you know, people do with that type of technology. So it's hard to, you know, exactly identify what Matech will do, um, with it. I think it'll just all come together in their solution that they sell to customers, but it should help with their overall capabilities as they try to get better and better and better at this stuff. Yeah. I mean, they group it into one product in their investor, uh, documents. So they just call it mobile verify, but I think there's like a bunch of different uh, capabilities within it. There's like document scanning versus ID scanning, facial recognition, that kind of thing. Yeah. They, they do break it out on their actual website, not their IR page. Um, They have all the technologies there. Again, it's a bit of a black box that kind of just give you an overview, but it goes through, I think like seven or eight different things they do. All right. Highlights and lowlights, Brad, what'd you like and dislike about this business? Yeah, so I'm I'm considering it a, a financial technology company. I think that's pretty safe. So I, I really like its model within that that fintech uh, landscape. So um, most most fintech companies are extremely consumer facing in nature. They offer the exact same services, um, and and they compete on price. Uh, in in SoFi's, I, I own SoFi, and SoFi's ability to compete, compete on price is why I like it. But that's that's an irrelevant aside. But it's very the space is very commoditized. Um, so by being an ancillary supporter of the industry, you actually get to enjoy this sector growth without having to spend an absurd amount of money building brand awareness. Um, and, and you can kind of ride this tide that lifts all boats without without really having um, to, to commit a, a lot of resources behind it. If you have a good product, which it seems like based on their market share with their original um, mobile check deposit uh, thing it, it is really working. But in terms of lowlights, uh, it seems like most of their executive positions kind of function like re- revolving doors. So there's not a lot of continuity um, for, from the team. Uh, we, we, we study other companies where they've had um, executives, at least like a CTO or a CFO that's been there for, for a decade. Um, and, and especially because this company um, is, is several decades old, I was hoping to see that. So that was a, a little bit uh, not concerning, but, but notable to me. And then Ryan was talking about how difficult it was to find information on, on the founding story and the history of the company. I also found that concerning. Um, I, I, I would have liked... Uh, to to have uh, or to for it to have been a much easier time locating that information, um, and it's probably nothing. But by by it being so difficult to locate, it just makes my mind go to okay, why is it so difficult to locate? Um, and, and yeah, that was a bit of a yellow flag for me. Is it's like what was there something wrong with this guy? Like why is no one? Why can't I find out who the founder was? I mean, it, yeah. it probably isn't that big of a deal because the business is totally different than it was in 1986. But 
It's like a new business in 2010. Yeah. It's just, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, highlights for me though, they have a huge installed base of banks and financial services companies that they can cross sell to. So they kind of have their footprint uh, or their foot in the door with a lot of those customers, um, which when, when I'm looking at, when I read a company like IntelliCheck's conference calls, it's a sales oriented business. And that's their whole goal is to sign on as many customers as they can. Matech seems pretty similar. They have a pretty high marketing spend. Yeah. Right. And, and Matech already has uh, the foot in the door, whereas they don't have, they don't have to start from square one. Like IntelliCheck may have to with some of these institutions. Um, and then they get a lot of cash flow from their deposit business. So that's kind of uh, I guess a cash cow that they can kind of milk uh, to fund their other business. Uh, and then the low lights for me though, the written checks in circulation, I remember reading that they are declining by three to 4% per year. At some point, the, the transition to digital deposits is no longer going to offset that decline. I don't know when that's going to come, but that's, well, it could be like cigarettes. It might be longer than we think, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? And maybe there's a high floor. Maybe there's just like people that still use checks forever, but um, or use them as rolling papers for cigarettes too. Never know. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There you go. Double, double uh, opportunity in the declining industry. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I guess the other low light that I have is that I don't like the overhang from USAA. And if you're like rolling your eyes, like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Like, Wells Fargo, um, they pay. They, they, they have pay. to. I don't think it's been paid yet. Or they have to. Okay. They have to pay three hundred million to USAA, and they're. I think they're still fighting it in court. But three hundred million, if if Matek's on the hook to reimburse some of that, that's a huge chunk of cash r- relative to Matek's market cap. So yeah. they'd be able to pay it because they'd probably just take out some debt, and they'd be able to pay it. But it would be a it would be a big loss. But it's like. The fact that this has happened multiple times now makes me feel like this is USA is like pesty and they're not going away. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't that, seem like it. I yeah. guess is uh, just a low light for me. It's frustrating. Yeah, that's definitely a unfortunate risk that they have going. I just, um, could because, be low, low risk, but I'm not sure. Because of my lack of understanding of most legal issues, I, I don't like when there's legal overhang with companies. Yeah. yeah. All right. My highlights. Uh, I think the asset life model gives them the, the potential to be really, really profitable. They're already at, well, cash flow margins can be tough because of the stock-based compensation can make those harder, but I think their cash flow margins could get to 50% like fairly easily. Um, and th- there's a durable tailwind from the industry that should be around really forever. Now they could get disrupted by a better technology company. Um, so one of their competitors, like uh, what's it called? Jumio. Is it called that? I always think of Jumia. Uh, that's out that the 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 African Amazon that everyone uh, hypes up a lot. But the it's Jumio, I believe. Intellicheck, those other ones out there, maybe a bigger fintech company um, that could disrupt them. But either way, the industry is durable, and their actual overall profitability is masked right now because they said that their identity solution segment is still operating in the red, and they think it will be through 2023. But they have that that still has great unit economics, like we said, ninety percent gross margins, low lights for me. I don't like the convertible notes if they didn't need them. Need them? Excuse me. I got a cough. Excuse me. Um, and won't go big. Like if they do the convertible notes and they won't go big on buybacks, I don't know why they just didn't do standard debt. Uh, because it's not like they're 
I don't know, they could pay this stuff back. It's not like they don't need it. Uh, and I didn't like how low the price was. And I didn't like how they do the warrants in conjunction with it. Because if it you do a, the warrants, why not just do a higher price? It was a lower know. convert. It was a pretty low conversion price. Yeah. So but it's fine, it might not but have it's been, just a bit of a low light for me. It might not have been when they wrote, when they did the convertible. Because I think Matek has had a really good year. Yeah. It could have been lower then. But either way, like... If you if you have the funds from your cash flow, like I just don't, I, I don't know. That's a bit nitpicky. It's not terrible. And then the other lie for me is there's no clear da- data on how well their stuff works, which leaves investors like us without the relevant information. Um, you don't know exactly how wor- well it works. They talk about AI, machine learning, and all all that good stuff, and about how they have the the, the best product, which I don't think they do. But it sounds great. But there's no data that I'm getting. Maybe we just missed it, but that's kind of a black box. And then lastly, small one, they have customer concentration with three customers at over 10% of revenue. I think that's fine, um, but whatever. Anyone that supplies to banks is though. I mean, you're going to have, I think probably JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America, there you've got your customer concentration. Well, that's true, but it might mean that the pricing power might be not be as high. Uh, those banks are well-funded. It might not. It's probably not even... They don't won't even care if Matek raises their prices, but I still think that gives them less uh, less leverage in negotiation with the banks. Um, all right, bull case. What do you think you go right here, Brad? Yeah, we've talked uh, a little bit about this, or maybe a lot of bit about this, but but I think um, it's the clear bull case that the the, the mobile check business that that we're talking about um, is able to kind of uh, decline at, at a snail's pace instead of very rapidly, and and is able to continue feeding. Um, projects um, for for acquisitions and for internal R and D and for this ID um, section of the business to 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 allow them to to seamlessly transition um, from from mobile check to something with with a longer with a much longer runway and I mean they've they've done it successfully already once we we talked about how the company basically reinvented itself in 2010 so they are capable of pivoting when they need to pivot and, and figuring this out um, but but that's uh, that that that's really the case um, that that I see that that new projects and, and the ID business can allow them to compound at a fifteen percent clip while this or more than a 15 ten to fifteen percent clip let's go with um, for the foreseeable future as, as kind of the digital or, or the or the erosion of, of this mobile check business is slower than I think it's going to be. The thing that's wild and this is kind of I guess the bull case too is we keep talking about like maybe this decline is slower than we expect. It's growing. The business is yeah. growing. Yeah, that business which is yeah. shocking. Um, well, price the pricing power. Yeah, and the and just the conversion to digital. I think those two things are massively outweighing just the decline of checks in in circulation. Um, so I guess if that business remains steady, and they're able to sell this verification technology to most of their partners, um, I mean the the ultimate bull case is that the business stays steady and they win the verification market, and it's like north of 50% market share, I think they'd have to make some acquisitions to make that happen. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, maybe. Well, they're at 20, yeah. 25% yeah. right now. That'd uh, definitely be a big hurdle to gain that much market share. Yeah. I think if anyone is going to win, I think they have uh, the easiest chance to be the leader in that industry. Yeah, they are the leader right now. I think they're the biggest. I'm not, don't quote me on that, but I think they are. It. Uh, there's a very, I guess, there's a very feasible path to north of 15% revenue CAGR, like yeah. Brad mentioned. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I'll hit mine. It's similar. I think if ID solutions can grow at a double digit rate and then margins expand, returns should be adequate. If you think they deserve kind of a 20x earnings multiple, they're right around there right now. So it's it's not one where you're worried about well, you're not, you know, you're not hoping really for multiple expansion. That could be great. Um, and but you're not age. you're not worried about uh multiple compression like a lot of the high growth stocks we look at are. And by earnings, you mean cash flow. Sure. Yeah. I'm just that's yeah. yeah. Uh intertwine those. That's the same number to me. Uh <laughs> bear case, Brad, what, what do you got? Yeah, the bear case to me is is the continued evolution um, that the, that this business model needs to make and the continued spend that they're going to need to to make, I think, to to do other things beyond the, the verification market. Um, if if it's as competitive as is, is, actually Ryan's going to talk about competition there, so I won't I won't talk. But it, but it is a competitive space. Um, so so I, I I don't know if it can they can be a one trick pony there and just and see a couple of decades of growth solely from that business. And and as you have more of these transitions and, and evolutions and um, and, and new and brand new management teams. Um, there, there's no guarantee that they're all going to be successful. Um, and, 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 and the bear case is that this pivot that, that we're all foreseeing is not as successful as the one they had in 2010. Yeah. The management part leaving, like, I think that's something I didn't write down, but that's definitely one that could be a bear case too. They, if they got that turnover, you never know with new management, they could totally botch it. Um, all right, Ryan, what do you got? Uh, I, I guess there are like, the bear case for me is that the the verify or the verification market ends up staying really competitive and Matech isn't able to like win a lot of customers or they spend a lot of money trying to win customers and it just isn't that, that great of a return on their uh, spending. The other part that there's like a pretty technical aspect to this business that especially in the verification side, I don't know. I don't really understand the nuances of like whose technology is better and what banks how what are banks willing to have like would they take an 80 percent uh i guess accuracy rate on fraud detection like if if that's their cutoff then maybe matek's the big supplier for them do they require a 99 percent like I, I you would think the more the better but um I guess I just don't necessarily understand the industry dynamics within verification all that well. The other thing that shocks me is that I would have thought that check, like mobile deposits with checks would be like a super commoditized like function, but they have, I'm, I'm surprised they got to 98% market share. And the only other competitor is, I think, USAA has the other 2%. Uh, so they must just be sour. They lost, huh? But I think they were partners though back in the day. I don't but know. It's, it's kind of weird that they, they like split up. I don't know the history on that, but yeah, I don't, it, that that just I guess that surprised me. The bear case for me is that uh, they they just don't succeed that much in ver- within verification. Yeah, that's mine too. I'd say that you know the the ID stuff they just get disrupted. It's hard to tell whether someone like that could come up. Brad, you wrote down here someone like Galileo and Plaid. Like, do you think? You know more about those type of businesses. Do you, have they said anything about that, or is it just kind of like a thought that that's something they could easily go into? I know, I know, Galileo is is actively building products uh, for legacy bank um, workflows and, and to make those easier. Uh, they haven't announced any any of the details of what that's going to look like, but um, they are they are building B two B products for legacy banks. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I didn't mention it because I'm not positive if there's going to be any overlap at all, but, but there could be. 
Yeah. Or uh, yeah, that could be a threat. It also could be a tailwind as they bring everyone, right? I would think so. As they bring everyone online, uh, make that easier. Yeah. I think the big question is whether Matex has, uh, and I use this term like every show, a defensible position within the ID market because that industry is growing so quickly. Um, All right. More or less interested. Let's wrap things up. Brad, what are your final thoughts here? Yeah, I think I'm more interested. Uh, and it, it it's not more interesting because I'm I'm ready, I'm super excited about the company and ready to buy it right now. But just because I mean we talked for 45-ish minutes and nothing really concerned me all that much, um, aside from all the management turnover, a little bit, uh, a little bit um queasy there. But but I think more interested in, in a company I'm gonna keep an eye on and maybe dig into a little bit more. Uh, because it's really I mean, it's not ridiculously priced for a company that that uh, some that we do think or it seems like we think can compound at 15% for a long time. Yeah, yeah, Ryan. Yeah, any small cap that has basically completely won their market automatically makes me more interested. Um well, completely is maybe not. Or are you talking about checks? Checks. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That it shows me that they can go into go into a market and win over customers and to have that that big of a guess, I guess, customer footprint is also pretty impressive for a smaller company like this. So I am more interested. There's a part of me that's just hesitant to get super excited about it. And I'm not sure what that is. Maybe it's my lack of understanding. (laughs) Maybe it's the name. The name's weird. Yeah. That could be part of it. Maybe it's the USAA overhang. Maybe it's that I just like, I don't have I don't feel like I have a huge edge in like, oh, what verification technology is better Best. for yeah. maybe that Maybe that doesn't matter though. Yeah, I'm more interested too. I mean, yeah, there is a few things where you're like, hmm, why is it trading at such a cheapish multiple? Like, you know, is it that easy that they're going to compound this ID market at 10% to 50% a year? If so, that's great. But I think, yeah, I'm definitely more interested if margins can expand and the the revenue can keep growing in ID, you know, you got some good returns there. So I think the opportunity, there's potential. Um, now, while we wrap things up, while we also were more interested, this is not a stock recommendation show. So obviously do your own research. We have not researched it fully. There could be things we missed, but that was kind of the first look we took at this business. Um, and we have to choose the stock for next week or in two weeks, which may be overlapping with the holiday period. So timing could be different, but Ryan, what is your choice here? So we got a listener recommendation. We've had a few, so we're going to, I think we should all try to use those. Um, uh, someone emailed the show, by the way, our email is chitchatmoneypodcast at gmail.com. If you want us to do any shows or anything like that, we leave it in the show notes. So you can see it down there. Uh, and he said he wants to, he wants us to look at zoom info, uh, and, uh, revenue is growing apparently thirty percent, and they've got oh he's giving he's giving the pitch forty percent oh, free yeah. cash flow margin. So oh okay, all right. Well, we uh, we got some we like. Uh, thanks for the rec. We're going to do that one for two weeks from now. All right, that's great. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital. Arch Capital clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.